Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today, in this podcast, we're going to discuss the Disinformation Governance Board and what it means to seek the truth. Today, we'll lead off with John 8, verses 31 and 32. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So, with the disinformation under the influence of the Holy Scriptures. Let's just dig right in. All righty. Current event is the Disinformation Governance Board, which is on hold now, but um, I'm sure it will return in some form sooner or later because this is reoccurring in all governments in all times, this phenomenon that we're looking at today. Uh, federal and state lawmakers and constitutional scholars, and not just those on the right, I might add, are expressing concerns with the uh, Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. They see it as the uh, administration's attempt to eliminate free speech of their political opponents. So what does all this mean? Well, first of all, there is such a thing as disinformation, which is how this world fell into sin and ruin, Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 3, the disinformation of Satan to Eve. But it's another thing to investigate with a goal that is less than the pursuit of the truth. And mark this, in this world, seeking truth above all else is not a priority. When you're doing this, you're going against the grain. Mm. So what is the Christian expectation? Freedom is the environment in the search for truth that must take place. You gotta have freedom. And truth in turn leads to freedom. It's a kind of a paradox, a blessing. In the personal realm, this is true, as well as in the public square. And this includes all secondary truths, which is the basis for any culture. For example, you got to have truth in the courts, mm-hmm. and you got to have truth uh, in your personal relationships. Yeah. And then, of course, there's primary truth. That is to say, divine revelation, biblical truth. Now, this twofold thing of divine truth being so important and to have freedom to pursue it, as well as just truth as such, is so important that it's the First Amendment in the Constitution, the first one of the Bill of Rights, as this is commonly known. And it reads this way, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging freedom of speech or the press. Note those two things. The free exercise of religion, that's divine truth, Mm got to have freedom to pursue that, and no abridgment of speech, meaning anything else that deals with the matters of Getting to have your say, you need to be free to say it. Now, note well, the founders, our founders, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, whoever else you want to throw in that lot, uh, they were not perfect men, no. But they had learned this one lesson well, and this is important. This is why we've done so well as a nation up to now, although we're losing ground. They knew this. If there's no freedom of speech, then all that's left is the struggle for power, and truth is left in the dust. So... As to reveal truth, let's start there because the Bible is the paradigm for everything else that uh, should be pursued in this life. As to to reveal truth, which is the pursuit of the word, uh, it makes us free. Here is um, Randy reading John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Exactly. And there is this ultimate relationship between freedom and truth. You see it stated there in that passage in John. 
Truth makes us free. And in freedom, we follow truth and continue to seek truth in all areas of life, especially if we're Christians. Note this passage from Romans 2, verses 6 through 8. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So obeying the truth is very important, and God desires that to be done freely and in the sphere of freedom. Notice that seeking glory, honor, and immortality is simply another way of seeking God, which is simply another way of saying seeking the truth mm. of God. Because all these things hang together. But it's also true in creation, or what we might call ordinary life, using the word ordinary in its original sense, ordained life, as God would have it. And it applies not just to people who are Christians, but everybody who's in the public square. All secondary truths are to be held as sacrosanct, and arriving at any truth, like in a court case, or in daily life, like who should we trust, this necessitates a free and open environment. Dishonesty, that is lying, even in the small matters of life, leads to dishonesty, lying, and bigger matters. Listen to Jesus' word on this from Luke 16.10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Absolutely. That's a pattern for life. Jesus is establishing it there. Uh, faithful, that means, among other things, always seeking the truth, being truthful. As he says, don't be dishonest, because if you're dishonest in a little thing, you'll be dishonest in a great thing. Mm. So we need to be truthful in matters small and great. Now, here's a quote. This is uh, R.C. Sproul, passed away a while back, well-known uh, Christian scholar, and he's sort of summing up some truths of Augustine. But here's a statement. I learned this uh, decades ago, it's, and it's stuck with me and been very useful. All truth is God's truth, whether it's a small truth, little truth, but even little truths have God's approval. Mm. That's why truth is very important, because all truths lead eventually to the truth. Now, a lot of people have seen the truth of that, and so we have in various uh, governments in our country, small and great, whatever they may be, uh, sunshine laws. And what is a sunshine law? Sunshine laws stipulate that certain business operations or government activities should provide open transparency and disclosure to the public or upon inquiry. The purpose of these laws is to promote ethical standards, prevent fraud and corruption, and by doing so, engender greater public trust. Now you see the importance of Luke 16.10. Here's a good one, which I like. Uh, an example of a sunshine law, uh, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. Mm. Freedom of Information Act. The primary example uh, of the best of sunshine, when you are in the dark about something, you can ask the government, and so far it's worked pretty good. And it might take a while because it is a bureaucracy. You'll get the information you're, you're seeking unless, of course, it's vital to the security of the United States. At least that's what we're told. But nonetheless, it has been a good thing to have. In the world to come, here is a very good example of what we mean by sunshine laws now. Let's read this. Randy's going to read to us. Uh, first, Revelation 21, verses 18 and 21. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. 
And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And of course, that's from Revelation, and it's the picture of the new world to come, the new Jerusalem, the holy city. Everything is transparent. Everything is filled with light. That's a way of saying nothing but truth here abides, nothing but clarity, mm. and nothing but freedom. In the dark, you don't have freedom because you bounce off things, you stumble, and you fall. With light, you know where you're going. Now listen to these uh, following verses, 22 through 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God and the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In that place of light and sunshine and glory, there will be nothing false. It'll be absolute truth. Mm. Uh, here's a quote from George Orwell. We'll have a couple more from him. He's um, the writer of 1984. Well, uh, knew well the uh, problem of disinformation since he was uh, involved in the Communist Party and, of course, uh, came against it in these uh, books like this and Animal Farm. Here's a good quote from him. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. End of quote. Mm. Um, in that world to come that Randy just read about, there's no false speech. It's just the truth, and everybody who is there will love it that way in freedom. So we can say that where truth is denied and where truth is hated, freedom begins to disappear. Not just God's truth, but any truth that threatens those who have the power and clearly want to keep it and not use it for good purposes. The goal of power is not to establish truth or to ensure freedom. The goal of power, and here's a quote from George Orwell, the goal of power is power. So, end of quote. Truth, first and foremost, ought to be the goal of everyone, and power is to be used to make that happen. Mm. Power is secondary to truth. Why is that? Because paradoxically, there's nothing more powerful than truth. It's funny when we have uh, online meetings these days, you, you know, you'll be talking about something and, and you'll get on a sensitive topic or a topic of, of uh, debate, and some people, oh, let's take that offline. Let's take that yeah. offline because nobody, because you bring up a, an inconvenient truth, you know, when you're on these meetings, right. people don't like it. Yeah, let's go offline. Let's go offline. That's, yes, yeah. we don't want sunshine on that. No. Um, well, and this is what's meant by being in the spirit. Let's talk about being in the spirit. Being in the spirit is supposed to be our life's orientation, which means it's going to be toward truth and involve freedom. Uh, let's look at two quotes. First one is from Paul, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's important because when we're experiencing freedom, whether it's in creation or whether it's in divine redemptive revelation and in Christ, however it's done, uh, there should be a sense of freedom, and that means the Spirit is present. But the freedom leads us to the truth. Take a look now at John 16, 12 through 13, Jesus' uh, words some of his final words to his apostles in the upper room before his crucifixion. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, 
for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit of Truth. Absolutely. And where he is, there is freedom. Once again, we see, as in John chapter 8, the first quote of this podcast, there is an intimate connection between freedom and truth, truth and freedom. They hang together. And freedom is not to be used deceptively, but again, only in service of the truth. Listen to the words of 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Right. Again, freedom is not meant to hide. Freedom is not meant to hide things. It's meant to bring them out to light. It's meant to be compatible with truth. They go together. No society can thrive unless truth is the passion of everyone. And that means not just revealed truth for we who are Christians. I mean, a, a country like America, our culture, will not last if there can't be some basis of truth and freedom. Mm. It's going to fall apart. Uh, the Greeks knew this. Uh, there is a famous quote, and this fellow is good for quotes, but we'll just stick with this one. The name was Diogenes. He was a cynic. That's a group of philosophers back in uh, Athens and Greece, B.C. times. And uh, the great thing about being a cynic is you'll be right nine times out of ten. So, and he was quirky. He did strange things. One of the strange things he did was he'd walk through the Athenian streets, uh, the streets of uh, the, the Greek people, during daylight with a lit lantern. And, of course, he does this to get a response. And people eventually would say, what are you doing? And he would always say, I'm looking for an honest man. In daylight with a lantern, meaning this is hard to find. It's hard. Truth is hard to find. And so in a bankrupt Greek society, this is how Diogenes reacted with it. And he would have agreed that the search for truth is inseparable from the freedom he had in searching for it. In our culture, the freedom of the press is a result of the Judaic Christian tradition. I don't have time to go into to back that up, but it's the, it's a fact. Honoring this truth, and what is that truth that Judaic Christian tradition honors? That truth only flourishes in an environment of freedom, in sunlight, not darkness. Who do we want running the narrative of this dif disinformation board? People who honor truth above everything. How precious is truth? Listen to this proverb. From chapter 23, verse 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Yes, truth, wisdom, and instruction are parallel there. What is it to have truth? Ultimately to have wisdom, because all truth should lead finally to the wisdom of God and to the wisdom of Christ. And the same thing is said of biblical instruction and all those things. Buy truth, obviously not an actual monetary exchange. That is sacrifice yourself for it and never sell it. That is, don't pervert it for some ungodly gain. Because in the marketplace of life, truth is non-negotiable. It's not up for compromise. Who do we want in charge of a, such a governance disinformation board? People like this. So we come back to the problem of disinformation. Who decides what's disinformation? Ah, yeah, that's the problem. Should not the goal, though, be this, to find the truth and to be open to it? Listen to... Psalm 51, this is David's confession, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then Randy's going to drop down and read verse 6. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Right. Repentance and confession brings freedom. 
and allows for truth to live and to thrive, starting in the heart. Uh, David's behavior, you know, he, he had the affair with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. He tried to hide it from Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, put him in the front ranks uh, of the battle, make sure he got killed, and then was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and David finally confessed. David's behavior was disinformation. It was a disinformation campaign. Mm-hmm. He wasn't interested in making known the truth. And so Uriah lost his freedom because he lost his life. How is disinformation dealt with by believers versus uh, the enemies of believers, as we look into the Bible, that is? In other words, what is the Christian expectation from which the world could benefit? We're going to look at a few things in Acts, and uh, there's so much, so I've been selective here, but I think these illustrate the point. We're going to read, Randy, as Acts 5, verses 33 through 40. Listen carefully to what's going on. The background, of course, is the disciples, um, once again, are confronted by the Sanhedrin. They've been out there preaching. They were told once before, don't do that anymore. And there's a fellow named Gamaliel, who, interesting enough, is a uh, mentor, early mentor of Paul, who gets in on this conversation. Randy? When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thoutus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan for this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Okay, of course, the Sanhedrin here, they're the governance disinformation board of their day. Uh, Only their truth gets to go out into the public realm. And so they're trying to shut down the apostles. Gamaliel's take on the disciples' disinformation uh, is the following. What's the truth? Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's mm-hmm. wait and see, because here's some examples where, you know, looked like this might have been something that was really going to be something, and it turned out to be nothing. And you don't want to be found to be in a position against God, which is to say being against the truth. And so, but notice verse 40 that Randy read. The Sanhedrin still had them beat <laughs> and <laughs> told still, them to shut up. Still going to get my licks in. <laughs> yeah. 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 And don't, don't preach anymore. Yeah. So when we believe that we should run the narrative, that we should run the disinformation board. Truth takes last place to shut up. Mm -hmm. And uh, people pretend to follow the truth, but act otherwise. On the flip side of this, this is the great example in all of Acts. In fact, it's in the New Testament. It's one of the, maybe up there at the top two or three examples of how to seek truth. This is the Bereans, the Bereans search for Mm -hmm. truth. Randy's going to read what's happened here, the background. He was in Thessalonica, preached there. They didn't like what he had to say. They ran him out of town. And he comes down to Berea and gets a different reception there. And we're going to find out why he gets a different reception to what he's preaching. Acts 17, 10 through 13. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. 
And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more honorable and noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Yep, yep. You can only preach what we say you can preach. We govern this. You're spouting disinformation. Now notice why the Bereans, notice they are called honorable, noble. They're more noble, says Luke, than those at Thessalonica, which is... Luke's sort of sarcastic way of saying guys up in Thessalonica weren't noble at all. Here's mm -hmm. nobility. Why were they noble? Let's look at this. Number one, there was an eagerness to get to the truth. Now note this. Well, they wanted to see if what Paul said was so, meaning they wanted to see if what Paul said was true. They were not trying to figure out, let's prove this guy a liar. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with the disinformation board. When you mm -hmm. start that, it must always be geared toward truth and it will only work if people are dedicated to that. And there's a, there's a distinct difference in seeking truth versus trying to prove someone wrong. Exactly. Yeah, there's a difference. Exactly. Yeah. So, as Luke says, they were more noble. What else they do? They examined the evidence. In this case, it's the scriptures, a written record, the documents, we might say. What else do they do? They examined them. That's a good word. They didn't just, you know, lick on a promise and move on. They took their time. They took their time. They took their time because they were doing it. What else? Daily, daily looking into these things. Daily looking to see if these things were so. These things were true. That's why they were more noble, meaning they were noble and Thessalonican synagogue was not. So they were noble because they're not striving to disprove the things Paul said, but to see if they were true. Once the goal is to disprove things, the Bereans could have easily dismissed Paul. Let me show you how easy it is. Here's a quote that Paul gives, and it addresses this situation. Romans 3, Romans 3, verse 8. And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Right. Paul, of course, is famous for saying, where sin abound, grace abounded super more, much mm -hmm. more. And of course, his critics who don't like the information Paul is dispensing, they think it's disinformation. They say, well, see there, he says, if you just keep on sinning, you get more grace, keep on sinning, you get more grace. Well, it's insane. We gotta, this guy's got to be shut up. But they didn't want to take their time to search for the truth. Obviously, their mind was made up on one statement, one quote. They didn't want to go into it. And the search for truth can get a little difficult, a little deep, a little complex, but the Marines did it, and they were committed for it. Paul's accusers were not Berean in their approach. And those who want to take away freedom from others because they don't like any opposing views will be selective as to who gets to speak freely in the public square. For example, listen to this quote from a, a news article, May the 2nd of this year from American News. The Supreme Court ruled on Monday that the city of Boston, Massachusetts was in violation of the First Amendment when it declined to fly the flag of a Christian group outside City Hall, while being perfectly amenable to flying the flags of other outside groups. The decision was unanimous. There's a rare victory for freedom in the public square and mm. truth to flourish that uh, we don't see too often. 
However, uh, let me read to you now a response to that Supreme Court decision uh, from Vox. This is from Vox of uh, last month, May 22nd. And they're quoting the new civil rights movement. Now, we all know what the old civil rights movement. Of course, the new one is the LBGTQ+, etc. Here's what it says. Listen to this. The decision written by retiring Justice Stephen Breyer, disturbingly, now notice that word disturbingly, these people are disturbed that this decision went through, disturbingly also cites Boston allowing the LGBTQ pride flag to fly in front of its city hall as an example of how the city granted many other groups requests, but engaged in discrimination against the Christian group. They were disturbed that this decision was made. They were not happy. And here we get more to the crux of the emotional problem involved in these things. Here's another quote from George Orwell, and it's a good one. Quote, the choice for mankind lies between freedom and happiness, and for the great bulk of mankind, happiness is better. <laughs> now, how do we know that? Not just from general experience, but from the Bible. When Moses led Israel out of Egypt and they'd been enslaved, crying out to God, Time and time again, God says to Abraham, I've heard, Moses, I've heard their cries for suffering. I'm going to send you down there. We're going to get them out there and free. And they were like 10 days out. And what was their problem? Well, we had leek soup back there. We had cucumber salad. Yeah. yeah, It was a great place to be. They couldn't handle freedom. Didn't want freedom. Freedom requires sacrifice. Mm. Freedom requires responsible living, accountability. And so happy with a lie means denying freedom to others. True happiness can only be found in truth and freedom, and what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now, how to handle disinformation? We're going to take a look at Paul's sermon at the Aragopagus in Athens on Mars Hill, famous sermon. But first, we want to get the background as to why he was brought before the Athenian disinformation board and examined, where he preaches a sermon. Here's what he was doing in Acts 17, uh, 16 through 20, and listen carefully because I'm going to show you the difference between disinformation boards we have today and what was going on with Paul as a Christian. Listen up, Acts 17, 16 through 20. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Yes, you're going to be examined by our board and find out, you know, if uh, you can be bona fide or not. You may be disinformation here. But notice what Paul does not do. Paul never says, you Stoics, you Epicureans, this is God's truth. Get out of the public square. Public square belongs to God. You don't get no right here. <laughs> he doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't say we need to shut you up. Uh, and this is important because uh, in my 50 plus years of being a Christian, every decade I've heard from certain people Christians want to take over the country and have a theocracy and impose the Ten Commandments on everybody, impose baptism and yada, yada, yada. The funny thing is, 
A, that's never happened. I've never seen it even come close to happening. And B, more and more, we have people who said that, who in fact, that's what they want to do. They want to run it with their idea of what religion is mm -hmm. and shut the rest of us up. So truth doesn't shut up the opposition, but seeks to have its say in the public square as others do, so that the choice to embrace Christ will be free and not coerced, since truth by its very nature is something that can only thrive in freedom. Mm. So Paul responds then to this. He goes to before this group, and he's being investigated for potential disinformation. He delivers a sermon to this board of inquiry. He emphasizes God as creator, that all people have come from one man that he created. We know him as Adam. That he's also the redeemer of mankind, uh, works among nations to uh, so they will seek him out. He ends the sermon. He ends the sermon with the coming of the judgment of the world, and which God has assured is going to take place by the resurrection of the appointed one, who we know, of course, as Jesus, the resurrection from the dead of the one. Now, listen to this. He's being examined. What kind of hearing is he going to get from this disinformation board? The response, Randy's going to read Acts 17, verses 32 through 34. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Right. He, there were three responses. And notice there's kind of a progression here. I don't know if Luke intended that. You start with mocking. Others seem to be more open. And then you have those who committed and believed. Mm -hmm. So some mocked. Others wanted to hear more. And some believed. So Paul went out from their midst. Notice Paul gets more slack from a pagan disinformation panel than he would today with many a church, <laughs> not to mention the federal government. Yeah, the government might be more gracious than some of our churches, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Here's a quote from uh, George Orwell again, which is made years and years ago, but so current. George Orwell, quote, A genuinely unfashionable opinion is almost never given a fair hearing. Mm. Ain't it the truth? That's the truth. And yet Paul got one with this pagan inquiry board. Our culture increasingly can't even rise to the pagan level. <laughs> so what can we say to these things? Truth can only thrive in freedom. And this is how Adam and Eve lived until disinformation came to them from the serpent in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, creating Adam, God says to him, you're in the garden, you may freely, notice that word freely, you may freely eat from everything, but here's the truth, don't eat from this one. You got freedom, you got truth, you know how to operate. And of course, they ate and they lost their freedom. So freedom gone. There is such a thing as disinformation, which robs us of our freedom. Christ, however, is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we follow him, we will know the truth for sure. And the truth will set us free. Well, thanks as always, Jim. And you've given us a lot to think about. And I'm sure there might be questions and comments about it. And we'd love to hear those questions and comments from you. So please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations all together at gmail.com. We'll use your question or comment on your word possible and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. Until our next podcast, keep looking up.